This podcast is brought to you by the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania. Well, how are states dealing with the coronavirus pandemic some 17 or 18 months into this? Better for most as an economy shut down for months has reopened, but there are still numerous questions that lie ahead around areas like employment, schools, and the impact of the Delta variant. Pleasure to welcome in New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy, who, by the way, just happens to be a Wharton School graduate. I understand, Governor, class of 83, is that correct? That is correct, Dan. Good to be on with you. And uh, had a couple of great years at Wharton in Philadelphia and uh, and with great memories. And uh, good to be, as I say, good to be on with you. Well, thank you very much for your time. So give us your overview on the state of the state's economy right now, because I think it's a very interesting dynamic when you're talking about 18 months into this and all of those issues that I mentioned at the top. How are things going? Yeah, I'd say the the headline, Dan, is the economy is, is snapping back um, quite well. God knows we needed it. 30% of our small businesses went under, 2 million people filed for unemployment insurance, several hundred thousand of them more than once. Um, but uh, between an incentives package I signed in January, our budget, the American Rescue Plan money, the prospect of anything on infrastructure, we're the densest, most densely populated state in America. Um, we are snapping back nicely. There are a couple of risks. The biggest one is the Delta variant. Um, this is now a pandemic among the unvaccinated, we're among the most vaccinated states in America. We are, we are, in fact, the most vaccinated big state in America. But there are still too many people, for whatever reason, some legitimate, some not, who are not vaccinated. And that means that we're exposed. They're exposed. Uh, but that means uh, the overall public health and economic health of the state is exposed. And then, secondly, the other risk or other reality, which I think you're seeing around the country, and we're no exception, is the labor market is having a hard time catching up with the with, with the recovery, uh, given how steep the recovery is. So those are a, a couple of the factors that um, that we're watching like a hawk. And, and um, you know, God willing, we're able to, you know, we're able to continue the progress we've made over the past few months. Let me let me touch on the small business side of it because it's something we talk about a lot on this show. And you mentioned the numbers of, of small businesses, and that's, I, I think, kind of a microcosm of what we've seen across the country. That has to be a longer-term piece to your operations in New Jersey as to how you try and get those businesses back and providing opportunities for entrepreneurs to be able to open a business over the next, and, and I'm not kidding by saying this, over the next several years, because I think it's going to be that long of a process. Yep. I don't, don't disagree with you at all. So a, a, a comment on what we've done and a comment on what we're looking forward to, to, to seeing over the next period of time. Since the pandemic started, New Jersey, I don't want to overstate this, but we are top five state per capita of getting money to small businesses. Not per capita as in population, but per capita in terms of uh, weighted by the, the amount of small businesses. And, and that's not by accident. We are a state that screams out small business. Sixty percent of our employment is from small businesses. And, and you know this – particular segments have been particularly crushed, restaurants, bars, hospitality. Um, yep. So getting them back on their feet, getting them back to par, if you will, whether it's through the public health guidelines or putting literally cash on the barrel with grants or loans, um, we're, we're going to stay at that. We then separately want to make sure the environment 
for small businesses and startups is as good as it can be. You know, we just jumped 10 places in a business environment annual poll, but we're still not where we want to be or need to be. I mentioned the incentives package I signed in January. Big emphasis on startup, venture capital, Main Street businesses in that. So you think when you hear incentives, you think big real estate developments or big large corporations. There's some of that, but there's a lot more directed at Main Street and startups. So those are those are a couple of the factors that we're we're going to continue to stay on hard. On the employment side, and, and it, it's interesting that we have you on today because literally two days ago. You know, I, I'm on the email chain for a great place in Ocean City, which you probably know, Jillian's Wonderland. Yeah, you know, sure. great, great business. It it, uh, it it has a lot of families that goes there. It's an amusement park. Yep. For the first time ever, two days ago, Governor, I got an email from them that was not about wanting to buy tickets, but it was about, hey, we need people, we need to hire, we've got job openings. Yep. I never thought I would see an email like that in the summertime yep. in a, you know, from, from a business at the Jersey Shore on a boardwalk that is always filled. Yep. Now listen, I had a, a, a meeting. I'm running for re-election, so I'll, I'll leave politics aside. But I happen to be with a lot of the representatives from the Amusement Association, including from Ocean City, a, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, the guy who runs the water park up closer to where I live in Kingsburg said that he personally has been running, running from ride to ride. This is, like, this is the guy who owns it, who's been running yeah. operating rides uh, uh, this, this summer. So it's real. I mean, it's, it's, it's the driving reason why I signed a bill a few weeks ago, just before the 4th of July, to allow teenagers who have been heretofore restricted to 40 hours of work a week to, to allow them to go up to 50 hours a week um, right. for the balance of the summer. It's why you're seeing folks pay more, uh, put, put cash on the barrel in terms of what they're paying their employees. And I think, Dan, it's going to get probably worse before it gets better because you've got in the next couple, uh, next 10 days to two weeks, you're going to start to see uh, the colleges uh, open yeah. for business and kids leaving their summer job, if they had one, going back to school. So this is, this is I don't, it's, gonna, it's not going to last forever, but it is real yeah. and it is with us for at least a period of time. So it, let me touch on education for a moment then. You mentioned about uh, colleges reopening, but I think the question of schools, uh, is the expectation that you have that New Jersey schools are going to be open and running uh, f you know, full steam uh, for in-person come uh, late August, early September? It is. Um, so I could stop there, but I'll give you a little bit more color. But that is our expectation that we'll be back Monday through Friday, full full day, as close to normal as we can be. Um, we put that guidance out uh, at the end of June. It is a recommendation, a strong recommendation from us in terms of that, – that's not a recommendation, pardon me, but the, the, the health protocols are a recommendation from us. And, the, you know, we, we've got one, um, one attribute which is, has been a secret weapon during this awful pandemic, and that is we don't have one monolithic school district like a New York City or a Philadelphia. Yeah. So we've yeah. got over 600 of them. So we put out, we'll be back in school Monday through Friday, full bore. These are our health protocol recommendations. But if you, in a local district, have a certain reality that's inconsistent with the reality elsewhere, you have the right to, to be stricter than that. Having said all that, Dan, we have to remember the virus dictates the terms here. Sure. Uh, the yeah. CDC is rumored to be coming out with new masking mandates today. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll try to stay out ahead of this. 
as best we can. We'll make our decisions based on the facts, uh, but but we, we 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 reserve the right. We have to to tweak the guidance uh, as as we turn toward uh, back to school. I was going to ask you about that since I'm seeing those stories pop up now that that's what the CDC is going to recommend later today. And obviously it's a unique time where a lot of businesses in states across the United States were, you know, we're really starting to gain some momentum. And I think the concern is right now that that masking mandates will again, kind of bring up and it may very well be necessary in many cases. But it'll bring up a lot of some of the, you know, the, the the poor feelings that business owners had at the early stages of kind of reopening. And, and you want to have businesses stay open because of the economics of, uh, uh, you know, of what we've seen over the last 18 months. Yeah, I mean, all those concerns are rightful. I was asked in an interview earlier today, what's the appetite for stricter guidelines? And my answer is there isn't <laughs> people yeah. people rightfully have had it uh having said that we got to do the right thing there's one other uh and we will there's one other angle dan which is worth noting unlike at some other points in this awful pandemic um and, and again I'm, I'm awaiting our health officials review of the cdc guidance and, and that's a that that plays a huge factor in how we put our own protocols in place as you can imagine but we are in a in a country right now where one size may not fit all. Uh, I yep. mentioned that we are the most vaccinated big state. We're one of the most vaccinated states, period, and that includes states with a lot fewer people than we have, like Vermont and Hawaii and Maine, all great states, uh, but smaller scale. Um, you've got other states that are a fraction of where we are in terms of their vaccination rates. So we have to factor that in as well. Uh, we've got millions of people who have done the right thing. Uh, from moment one in this pandemic, whether it's getting tested, masking, now getting vaccinated. Um, and your point is a good one. You know, the, the, the economy, uh, this, this is a big, the variant is a big risk to the economy. It's particularly for those who are unvaccinated, but also health protocols uh, throw a curveball into the recovery. There's just no question about it. Again, if we have to do it to save lives, we're going to do it. Uh, public health creates economic health, not the other way around. Uh, but th- there's a rightful concern and rightful frustration. What can be done, do you think, at this point to increase vaccination levels? And and I, I know businesses themselves are, are looking at this issue of whether to mandate vaccinations for people being back in the office or then you would have to be tested if, if you didn't. There, there's a lot of kind of ideas on the table. And, yep. and I'm wondering if at some point do local state governments have to get involved in this process yeah, I mean, you, you, even you more keep, you have to keep that on the table i know new york city and california have taken steps in that uh, direction um how do we get people more vaccinated uh, putting mandates aside for a second um we are screaming the facts out as loudly as we can which is you know we've got 400 and something people in the hospital right now i'd venture to say dan with 90 literally we, we, this is statistically um Uh, empirically proven, 99.99% likelihood that they're all unvaccinated. Um, So we're screaming that out. People who are dying now, for the most part, are unvaccinated. Um, And and folks need to understand that. That's one. Two, we've got some 
sexy contests that we've had that have paid dividends, free, free pass to our state parks for the balance of the year. Uh, was a big one. Dinner with my wife and me was a was a good hit. So we have some of that. Uh, sorry you couldn't make it. Uh, and, what was and, what was the dinner? What what was on the menu that night? The dinner I th- I can't remember. It was a couple weeks. Ago. I, th- I think it was fish. It was it was a, a Jersey salad, some it, fish, and then it a was it, it either. It either had to be seafood or Italian, one one or the other. Well, if you're in Jersey, you're, that's a, those are your two most likely alternatives. It was that's a wonderful right. a, a, a mom and dad and their and their 23 year old son. It was a special thing. But I'll tell you what yeah. the real real weapon has been for us, other than screaming the truth out, because there are yeah. a lot of people who have legitimate reasons they're not vaccinated yet. We we're, we go door to door. Today we're in 33 different communities, literally slogging door to door, and putting aside folks who have are listening to myths spewed by talking heads or on social media, there are folks who will may not speak English. Uh, they may be concerned that their immigration status will be held against them. It won't be, by the way, that the vaccination costs a lot of money. It's free. Uh, they work multiple jobs. Uh, they don't, they're not aware of the almost 1,500 locations that we have and which, which one is closest to them. So it's a grind. We'll stay at it. Uh, we cannot r- relent. Uh, and again, we've made a lot of progress, but we're not where we need to be yet. A couple of other things I wanted to touch on away from the pandemic, one being infrastructure. And I read that you were at the White House a couple of weeks ago talking with the president about infrastructure. And I'm assuming a lot of that was bridges, roads, et cetera. But I'm guessing part of the conversation was also around digital infrastructure, how to yep. build out and gain better access to the Internet. Yeah, it was, Dan. In the White House a couple of weeks ago with the vice president and the president and their teammates, some of the cabinet members, really good discussion on infrastructure. And it's both hard. It was both focused on hard and soft. So the traditional stuff, and again, we have a, we're, we're dense and we have a lot of legacy assets. So we are a huge winner in any infrastructure bill. Um, so it's all the roads, bridges, rails, tunnels. It certainly was broadband or is broadband, and it needs to be. I'm proud that we closed the digital divide for our kids in school during the pandemic, but we still have too many spots in the northwest and the southern part of the state uh, which, are, which don't have the, the broadband access that we need. And it was also what I would call soft or human infrastructure. A lot of things we're doing in New Jersey where we could get federal help to do them bigger and faster, things like daycare pre-K, uh, affordable housing, uh, free access to community college if you're under a certain income level, a whole range of things like that we were also discussing. And again, for all of the above, uh, Jersey would be a big winner. Uh, the issue of liability burdens, which I know has been a topic that's been discussed in the state for, for quite a long period of time. But uh, some good news, I guess, from your perspective, that uh, Moody's, the rating uh, agency, uh, giving the state some praise on how you're trying to deal with that issue. Yeah, we, we got an improvement in our outlook for Moody's. I just met with S&P and Fitch uh, a few days ago, so we'll see where they come out. Bloomberg had a really good Again, data-driven argument uh, that they published a week ago Monday, which suggested New Jersey was singularly, and I mean that literally singularly, um, uh, in, in, in the, the state that's making the most progress over the past three and a half years. And they looked at that through both addressing uh, structural imbalances that we inherited, as well as investing in stuff that, that are game-changers like infrastructure, uh, education, public health, 
uh, and they measured it through that lens. They also measured it through the performance of our municipal bonds over the past three and a half years since I've been in office, and we're the number one performing state in America in terms of total return, about 500 basis points ahead of the second best performing state. So that's gratifying to see that finally, you know, we're a state that had sort of lost its way, particularly on the fiscal responsibility stuff for several decades, both sides of the aisle, by the way. Uh, And we've been hard at that stuff from day one, and it's good to see it's beginning to pay off. The 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 issue of energy and the future of how we're going to be collecting energy, uh, I know, is on your mindset as well, especially with the issue of adding wind turbines off the Jersey Shore. Tell us where you are right now with that. Yeah, so we've got the the largest uh, offshore wind program of any state in America, one of the largest right now in the world. Our objective is to have installed by the middle of the next decade 7,500 megawatts of uh, offshore wind power, uh, which is a game changer, as you can imagine. And by the way, coming on stream is we're going to have to deal with the reality that our nuclear plants in either the 2030s or the 2040s will have gone to the the, the end of their useful life. So the timing could not be better. And Dan, what makes it even better uh, is that uh, not only will we have the clean energy and have that base installed, but we will also uh, have a significant amount of the supply chain made in New Jersey. We've got a couple of right. big ports that we are building out in South Jersey, uh, one of which is right across the bay from uh, from uh, Philadelphia, um, and and uh, those are going to be game changers. These these are the, the offshore wind um, industry has a particularly significant impact on South Jersey's economy. Uh, and so that's, you know, and that, that is needed and it's going to happen, which is great. The, the other piece of infrastructure, kind of an infrastructure that I wanted to bring up to you is, is I read a story about uh, the removal of lead pipes in New Jersey. And, and I think that's a, something that a lot of people understand how important it is to really kind of look at our water infrastructure, where we are right now, in your case as a state, but you know, as, as a country in general, and really updating that as much as we can. Yeah, Dan, that was also part of the discussion with the president and vice president in terms of lead, lead pipe removal. Yeah, I signed several bills into law last week uh, which uh, address uh, lead service lines as well as lead paint from housing stock that, that predates the 1978 federal rule against lead and paint. And they're both real scourges with, with kids. Um, lead paint, more of an urban uh, older house reality, lead service lines, shockingly urban, suburban, and rural up and down the state. I think we have somewhere between 300,000 and 350,000 lead service lines. And so, yeah. among other things, the laws I passed on the lead service line side, uh, they will all be replaced uh, at, at most 10 years from now. So, it's a huge investment. And again, federal money would allow us to do that even faster. And then on the lead paint side, particularly in one or two unit rental uh, uh, realities, you, you don't get inspections uh, in terms of lead paint. And that, that's now changed uh, at most, either when an apartment turns over or at most three years, every three years, every apartment in the state will need to be inspected um, uh, for lead paint. And, and those are yeah. game changers. No other state in America has got both of those in their arsenal. And, and, the, and, and you know this, but the impact of lead to a kid and what oh, it yeah. does to them for their yep. learning loss, for their mental health, for their likely future outcomes is a real scourge. And this, both of these will get right at that. 
Governor, thanks for a few moments today. Uh, we certainly uh, will hopefully see you on campus at some point when the, everything kind of gets back to normal. Really excited to get back. Amy Gutman, uh, the president there, has been nominated by President yep. Biden to be the U.S. ambassador to Germany. That's a position I held uh, many years ago, and uh, for many reasons, Penn generally, Philly, Wharton specifically, uh, great institutions, great places. Thank you, Governor. All the best. Hey, take care. Thank you. New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy, great to have him talking about a variety of issues going on in the state of New Jersey. And uh, many thanks for him for joining us. To keep engaged with Wharton Business Daily and other Wharton School shows, visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.